way, right? I, I can just ask my telephone and it'll tell me. Um, I don't have to go and look at a cookbook or, or better yet, measure out water, right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't have to get dirty in those ways. I can just go and, and, and praise the Lord for technology, even this morning that we can meet. But I wonder if, if in some ways um, the, the, the power of understanding the call has become more, um, more internal, more selfish, more uh, we have the power to discover what we're supposed to do. Uh, a, a quick look on, on YouTube or, or social media or even just a quick uh, search on the web, we find all of these gurus now who are, who are teaching us how to understand what we're really made for. They're telling us to take chances and, and, and go after our heart's desire. And, and you know what? Some of that is really good and helpful. But it's almost seemed that, that there's a business in calling now. That if I can help other people discover their calling or, or what they're supposed to do with their life, well, then that's my calling and I can make a lot of money off of it. When we see this calling of, of Abram, who will become Abraham, uh, we, we see the simplicity of it. I love that it's just really three verses with a fourth saying what Abram did. And, and then it's just the dirty outworking of it. It's Abraham messing up. It's Abraham obeying God. See, I think the first thing that we need to understand as we approach this text, even right, as we consider contextually where we are, is that, that the power actually resides with the one who calls. Now, this is somewhat offensive, right, to our world today because of individualism. But the first 12 chapters of Genesis, the, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, it shows us that God must be at work. That it's God that must be doing it, that humanity is not God, that, that he is God and that I'm not. Think about it for a second. God brings salvation out of the initial disobedience of Adam and Eve. He takes the first sin and he turns it into hope. He turns it into gospel. God provides Seth when Cain kills Abel. God's the one who intervenes with the flood. God works to fill the earth with culture and flourishing through humankind's disobedience at the Tower of Babel. We could talk about that for, for days. I love how we see God at work in all of the disobedience and sin, in all of the failure. God is saving the world, and now God's bringing another type of Savior as he grows his people. As he establishes his people, if we look forward, we see that the rest of Scripture tells the story. God's bringing a Savior. This is the theme of the whole Bible, namely that God loves his people. We see that all surrounding Genesis chapter 12. Uh, a, a few years ago, a song came out, uh, a Christian song uh, called Reckless Love. Um, and Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you love it. Maybe you hate it. Uh, but when it first came out, I wouldn't even listen to it. It was like number one on the Christian charts. And I, I wouldn't listen to it because I, I really disliked the title of it. Um, this idea of God's love being rec reckless. I mean, I'm a good reformed pastor. And to say that God didn't have a plan, to say that God was misinformed, this idea of reckless, I, I just didn't like it. And I remember one day a, a friend of mine and I were riding in the car and 
And I was pontificating quite a bit about this song to him. And, and he humbly and sweetly just said, have you even read the words to the song? And I said, I don't need to read the words, right? Because I'm right. That's, that's how it works in this world, right? And I said, well, no, I actually haven't. He goes, he goes I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's a good word. I'm not saying that it's, it, it's got a great title. But, but there is a beauty to the words that describes the love of God. I, I want to read some of them to you. It says, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You've been so, so kind to me. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, it chases me down, it fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give your love away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Now, in some ways, I still don't like that word. And in, in some ways, I, I hear this song or I read the words, and it is a little me-centered, but aren't some of the Psalms, too? Doesn't David cry out? Doesn't he use the, the, the first person, singular? I think that was corrective for me to, to be able to take something that I considered myself so much higher than and to teach me yet again that, that the good shepherd, he'll leave the 99 sheep to go find the one. I wonder if, if we think about our calling as Christians in a way that makes us the center of the conversation. Or do, do we make it about what God is doing? We can silence the, the call with the click of a button when the Holy Spirit pierces our heart. We can send it to voicemail. Maybe we can respond with a text, right? I'll call you later. Just kind of hit that button. I wonder if we're putting ourselves in the driver's seat when all along it's been God who is actually at the center of not just our story, but the story. The call of Abram isn't a story about Abram trying to figure out what to do with his life. And personally, I find great comfort in that. Even as we look at these first four verses, it's not about him trying to figure it out. It's a story about God working particularly in his life. And you know what? God is working particularly in your life and in my life, too. What are some ways that God calls us? When we look at all of Scripture, he, he calls us to forgive. He calls us to give. We'll revisit these in a few minutes. He, he calls us to go. Some of us, like Abram. Others, he calls us to stay. We don't celebrate staying, do we, in the Christian life? But some of us, he calls us to stay. He calls us to glorify him. He calls us to serve. He calls us over and over and over again to love those who hate us, to take up for those who cannot speak for themselves, to do justice, to love mercy. He calls us, and the question is, are we listening? Are we becoming the calling that he has already given to us? Now, you might ask, like, Jay, isn't this the, the calling of every Christian? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will be given. 
that, that everything we need for life and godliness we have in knowing Christ. I don't know what career that you wish you were in or, or want to be in, or I, I don't know what um, job you wish you had, but, but I do know that the calling that's been put on your life as a Christian is the most beautiful, life-defining, darkness-destroying, light-shining calling that exists in this world or outside of it. Is our Christian life made up of Christian days that aren't just checking boxes of Christian things, but relying on God's sweet grace to make us more and more like him? The power for us to understand our calling rests in the person who has called us and who specifically has called us in his word. Are we listening to it? He is speaking in a still small voice by the truth of the scriptures to you and me. And he's doing that here in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. The calling is, is the blessing, right? The power resides with the one who, who calls. We see that from from Genesis 1 to 11, and then from Genesis 13 to the very end, we see it all. And, and we see it even here in Genesis chapter 12, that the calling is actually the blessing. I, I love this. I love that, that, that even in these four verses, three of them are the calling, and then the fourth is saying that Abraham went. In verses 1 through 3, God says, I will, five times. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He says it clearly. He says what he's going to do, and God does it. This is a great communication from, from our God to Abram. And I will make you a great nation. This is something tangible, that the calling of Abram is, is not just clear, but it's also tangible. He says, I will make you a great nation nation and i will bless you and make your name great this would have been the desire of a man during this time is that his name would be seen as great as as full of integrity that his name would be would be there, there would be a fullness associated with it not necessarily arrogance certainly people would have been arrogant as they had great names but but something more deeper, that that, that that man can be trusted. A lasting name, even. It goes on, not only will I make your name great so that you will be a blessing, but I will bless those who bless you. It's more than just yourself, he's telling Abram, that, that there's a great community that will come around you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. There's a protection here in this calling, that there's great care that God is giving to Abram in this calling. Now, I think for a lot of us, we, we hear, we read about the calling of, of the patriarch Abram, and it's a bit intimidating for us. But I got to tell you, to be Abram and to hear this from God and to see just this multifaceted, this multi-layered calling, these promises of, of great communication and great nation and great name and great community and great care, of protection, of being part of a community, of something that's lasting and tangible and clear, the call is the blessing. 
If we believe that the calling of God will lead us straight into his blessing, then we'll walk into two things. That, that we today in Portland and Vancouver and Boise, that we will walk into two things. We will walk into the suffering of the cross and the joys of knowing Jesus. If, if we believe that, that the call is the blessing, we will walk into those two things. The suffering of the cross, that, that God's blessing, his protection, his promises, they will invite us to be with Jesus and closer to him for the rest of our days on earth. And that includes suffering, doesn't it? That includes sorrow and pain and hurt. For in those gifts that we are given, though they in, in, in many ways are the result of, of the brokenness and sinfulness of humanity, our God redeems them. And he changes us more and more to be like Christ. We walk right into the suffering of the cross. But we also walk into the joys of knowing Jesus. You see, he calls us to forgive and give and go and stay and glorify and serve. He, he calls us to do those things. But, but not only does he call us to do those things, there's a promise that's associated with these things all through Scripture. When he calls us to forgive, he blesses us with deep community. One of the main reasons that my, my students have trouble forgiving is because they don't want to mess up community. They don't want to ask for forgiveness because then they have to admit they've done something wrong. Everybody would just love to push things to the side and not deal with them. And then two or three weeks later, feel better. But that is not digging deep community with one another. Admitting our sins and our failures and our hurts with each other, asking for forgiveness. That's the backhoe that digs deep community. The joys of knowing Jesus, he, he calls us to give. And, in, and as we give, he blesses us with deep growth. As you give to this church financially, as you give your time, as you give those gifts that God has given to you, your church will grow. I don't know how many people will show up on a Sunday. That's not the end all be all, but, but there will be depth of community. There will be ministry that's happening. There will be people who, whose lives are changed because of the, the way that you give of yourself of your time and talents and treasure, there will be deep growth here. He calls us to go. You know, he, he did. He called Abram to leave his, his home and to go. And, and maybe some of you he's calling to go. Maybe he's calling you to leave your career and to go be a missionary. Maybe he's calling you to go to a new neighborhood and in doing so, you will see the building of God's kingdom. Isn't that the blessing? For others, he's calling you to stay. You've been looking for a new house for two years. And he's like, I got you where I got you right now. I want you there. He also blesses you with building God's kingdom. You see, I, I want to undercut this idea that, that as God calls us to stay, that we're not actually building his kingdom. You see, both going and staying, we are blessed to build God's kingdom. These are part of the joys of knowing Jesus. 
He calls you to glorify him. And so he blesses you with gifting. Kids, as you're, as you're thinking through how you're gifted, how God has, has given you abilities and gifts and interests, you glorify God by using those. Maybe you build a sandcastle on the Oregon coast. Does that bring God glory? It, it just might. I think it does. He calls us to serve. In service, he blesses us to use our gifts. Not just that he's gifted us, but he blesses us to use our gifts. I think I've, I've talked before about the quality of coffee that I experienced when I came to your church that one time. Those of you who understand how to do that, you're using a gift and an interest and a love that you have to bless others. And a person comes into your church. And how does God use a, a pour over coffee to serve his kingdom? We, we smile at it, don't we? But I'm just convinced in ministry as kind of a missionary to campus, I'm just more and more convinced that God is going to use those things that, that, that I look down upon or don't even consider to grow his kingdom. More than once this year, maybe after every Tuesday night large group we had, I looked at our staff and I just said, God's at work. We have 25 freshmen coming to, to RUF. I thought it would be my preaching, but, but it was the in, invitation of a friend. I thought it would be our great events, which it, we can't do anymore. You see, God uses all types of things and allows us and blesses us to use our gifts as we serve. He, he calls us over and over again. I hope, you, I hope you hear the repetitive nature of this. To love those who hate us. To take up for those who cannot speak for themselves. To do justice. To love mercy. He blesses us that we may be a blessing. That's what he says to Abram. To Vancouver and to Portland, to your neighborhoods, to Boise, to this world. He blesses us in Christ to be part of his plan of redemption on this earth. And we can see this, right, as we look back on the calling of Abram. We don't just have to pretend like we don't know what's going to happen in the future of Abram's life. We, we can look back and we can say, yeah, God made promises that he kept in this calling. And that the calling was a blessing because when God promises something, he keeps it. A friend of mine, he's on the East Coast. His name is Chris Cooper. He works with RUF now. Chris, big dude. I mean, he could play in the NFL, I think. Chris left. He was a pastor in a, in a majority African-American denomination. He, he left that denomination uh, to come into a predominantly white church culture of the PCA to do ministry at a HBCU, a historic black college and university. But he also came to, to provide for us a perspective and for partnership and help as we seek to make our ministry of, of RUF and the PCA more like the nations. Now, now that's not magic, but what I found in, in probably the four or five years of knowing Chris it is not just his perspective on multicultural ministry, but his perspective, his life. That, that he came and the way that he's helped me not just think about uh, things as a, as a black man talking to a white man, but, but he's just blessed me with his presence. Things that maybe he doesn't even realize he is saying. He's, 
he's blessed me and helped me. The, the, the calling of, of his life for our ministry has been a blessing on us. Uh, one that, that's not even, it, it's tangible, but, it, but it's intangible. It, it will change you when you follow Jesus. The, the, the calling that he puts on, his, on our lives, it, it will change us when you know him in his heart. And it will not simply change you, but it will change the world around you. Think about what happens in the life of Abram. Abram went, right, verse 4, he went as the Lord had told him. He went and he messed up. He went and he worshiped. He went and he honored God. He did all of those things. A, a few years ago, almost two years ago now, uh, I left home. Home for me, right? Uh, I was out mountain biking this weekend, and I stopped for some ladies who were hiking and, and told them to have a good day. And their first response to me were, where are you from? Right? Like, people just know that I'm not from the West Coast. I left where I, I, left where I was from. I left home. I, I left being close to my parents and my siblings. My wife left being close to her sister. We left and we moved here to come and teach the good news of Jesus to students at Boise State. In following this call, we, we listened to God and we came here. And, and I promise you, we've messed up. Uh, I promise you that we've worshiped. But we've also been remarkably blessed by this calling. I've, I've had people say to me, oh, man, you, know, you, you gave up so much. And, and I look at them and, and I think back to this calling of Abraham and I just say to myself, yeah, I mean, there are things we miss, but, but if anything, like I, I followed the blessing of God on my life because the call is the blessing. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to this earth. He went from heaven to come here. And you know what? He didn't mess up. He perfectly accomplished the calling on his life. And he chose to die for those of us who can't and don't. He perfectly honored the Father, and he completely forgives all of our sins. And in this, we find the blessing and the calling of God in following Christ. Where does understanding our calling start? Where does it find its purpose? Where does it find even its completion as we sit where we are today? in the person and the work of the Messiah, Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. God, we thank you that you from all eternity had a plan for us. That you called Abram knowing, Lord, that you would build your kingdom, your people. Father, that you sent Jesus knowing that we needed not a type of Savior, but the Savior. And Lord, thank you that as you call us to go or to stay, Lord, in that calling is the blessing of God. Help us to understand that. Help me to understand that even this day, your day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.